You are Locked On Longhorns, your daily podcast on the Texas Longhorns. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to a special edition of the Locked On Longhorns Podcast, crossover edition. I am your host, Patrick Kahn. Follow me on Twitter at PatSportsGuy. Uh, this is a special edition because we also are simulcasting with the Locked On Sooners podcast and their host, John Williams. You can follow him on Twitter at John9Williams. Hey, John, uh, thanks for hopping on the show. Um, I'm, I'm glad we can finally do this on Texas OU weekend. I did say it right. It's Texas OU weekend. Uh, you know, we can, we can debate that, but yeah, glad to be here, man. It's, it's uh, an exciting week, absolutely. Coming off of another disappointing loss for Oklahoma, but it's OU Texas week. We put everything in the past. We start looking forward to Saturday at the Cotton Bowl and hoping that Oklahoma can bounce back a little bit. Um, yeah, so first time since 2014, both teams are coming in with a loss. Uh, since, yeah, 2014, the time before that was 2007. Uh, the last time that Oklahoma came into this game with two losses, Texas won that game 34-3. to So... Might be interesting. That was back in 1998. I believe that was John Blake's last year. Yeah, sounds right. Uh, You know, so, I mean, it was the pre-Bob Stoops era. Uh, You know, that's a very interesting stat I saw. Yeah, I mean, we try try to just erase that John Blake era. It it didn't really happen. (laughs) Yeah, that's what we're trying to do with Charlie Strong. (laughs) Uh, You know, after losing to Kansas, I think everybody checked out of that one. Yeah. Uh, obviously, John, uh, for people that don't know, me and John go way back. Cowboys coverage. Uh, now we're covering our teams on opposite sides of the spectrum. Uh, on this episode, in our first segment, we're going to talk about Oklahoma. Uh, obviously, that's why we got John here. And then, uh, we'll, and then we'll reverse fields a little bit. And John and me will talk about Texas. And in our final segment, we're going to talk a little bit about football mentality. Who needs this game more? Uh, let's kick it off, though, John. Let's, let's, let's dive right into it. Uh, one of the big things that I uh, – talking point, Jason, uh, I think it's Kearney uh, from The Athletic. Or Kersey. Well, he, he had this report before the game that, that Ronnie Perkins is expected to be reinstated. Uh, obviously, on Monday – Lincoln Riley was asked about that, and he said his status hadn't changed, which he didn't really say that he was available or anything. He just said his status hasn't changed. So I thought that was an interesting way of answering the question. My question to you is how bad does this Oklahoma Sooners football team need Ronnie Perkins? They need him bad. I mean, he's their best pass rusher. He's an impact player. He's a leader on the field. I mean, he went to Ames, Iowa – because they value his leadership. I mean, just the guy, having the guy on the sideline is important enough to them that they would travel him to Iowa, even though he wouldn't be able to play. So he, they definitely need him back, not only his leadership, but his impact on the field. He's a dynamic pass rusher. He's somebody who's going to get after the quarterback and playing against a guy like Sam Ellinger coming up this week in the Cotton Bowl on Saturday, it's huge. And not having him, if they're unable to have him, it, you know, the, the broadcast of the Oklahoma-Iowa State game on Saturday night started to kind of refute the report that had come out just before the game and say maybe things haven't really changed so much as far as Ronnie Perkins is concerned. 
but who knows? Is this just some gamesmanship on Lincoln Riley's part? I don't know. Uh, is Ronnie Perkins actually going to be available for the Red River shootout? We won't know probably until game time. Lincoln Riley likes to keep as much information to himself as, as for as long as he can. I mean, he, he has these faux quarterback competitions during the offseason to, to give us enough evidence of that. Yeah, the yeah that was that was interesting because uh, the whole uh, Mordecai Tanner Mordecai versus Spencer Rattler and I I even made jokes about it. I was, I was like, there is no quarterback competition. You know, it is Spencer Rattler. You don't recruit a guy that heavily, have the first opportunity to make him a starter and make him go through a competition with somebody. Uh, and don't get me wrong, Tanner Mordecai. I mean, obviously he's a good quarterback, but he's not at that level that can actually challenge. A Spencer Rattler. Now, right. Caleb Williams next season, maybe. Yeah. You know, you can have that conversation. Uh, you know, and, and you brought up a good point about Lincoln Riley and holding things close to his chest. I mean, he doesn't even like to give COVID-19 information. Like he, right. he thinks that's an unfair advantage. They were giving that information out, and he's like, you know what? No, we're not going to do that anymore. Uh, right now, looking at this football team and talking about them, um, obviously – Spencer Rattler's played really well this season. Uh, last game, he had 300 yards, two touchdowns. He had another one on the ground. Obviously, he had that interception at the very end of the game. But I think it's important to note, and I think Texas fans need to know, that with this quarterback and the way that he's playing, you can't really put what's going wrong for Oklahoma on the quarterback. No, I'd completely agree with that. Spencer Rattler, he's played really, really good football. And I think Lincoln Riley – said it best. He says, you know, 90, 95% of what Spencer Rattler has done has been excellent. And it's what you'd expect of somebody who's the number one quarterback recruit out of high school and coming in and starting. Now he is a freshman. And as a freshman, he's going to have some freshman mistakes that last pass at the end of the game, you know, he's trying to make a play happen, doesn't see the safety over the top and just puts the ball in a place that Charleston Rambo is not able to make the play on the football. But like you said, you know, Spencer Rattler is playing really, really good football. There are some things that he needs to improve upon. I think the Oklahoma offense in general just needs to finish better. Uh, We saw it against Kansas State for the first two and a half quarters. They were playing really, really good football over the final quarter and a half. They just did not have enough steam and didn't have enough juice to make things happen down the stretch. And the same thing happened against Iowa State. And, you know, they they were moving the ball well, but they just weren't finishing drives in the second half. And and, uh, especially on that last drive, again, it was just – you know, these plays, they're having to come up with a fourth and four conversion. Uh, they're having to come up with third down conversions. And it's just on offense, they're just not finishing well at this point in time. I mean, yeah, I mean, you like the fact that you have a guy that can finish for you. And, and I'm talking about your kicker, Gabe Burkins. Yeah. Uh, you like that, having a guy that you can, you can turn to. But I think we both know with the way your defense is playing at this point uh, in the season, you can't settle for good. Yeah, and we talked about that a little bit on the on the show yesterday, that opening drive where they, you know, went straight down the field, had a big play that brought them down inside the five-yard line. They got a couple runs, got it to fourth and one uh, after being stuffed on second and one and third and one, and Lincoln Riley opted to kick a field goal there instead of going for going for the touchdown on fourth down. And, you know, there's there's kind of two schools of thought there. They could have gone for it or they could have just gotten the points on the road in a tough environment. Uh, I think looking back, Lincoln Riley probably would have gone for that, knowing that, you know, they needed a score. They needed to set the tone early with their offensive line and try and make something happen. Um, 
yeah, settling for field goals in the Big 12 with this defense isn't going to be a good recipe for winning football games. Yeah, and we're, we're going to get more into Oklahoma mentality-wise. Who needs this more in our third segment? Uh, but coming up next, uh, we're going to flip the script here, and uh, John's going to get to dive in deep on the uh, Texas Longhorns. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at rockauto.com. Uh, I know many of you have heard me talk about this before, but uh, my truck, the oil pump went out. So what did I do? I went to Rock Auto typed in my name, I typed in the, the model number, what year it was, everything I needed popped right up. I've gotten headlights from them, I've gotten taillights for them so that I can uh, get back on the road. It's quick, it's easy, it's affordable, every make, every model, right there at your fingertips. No, no longer are you having to go to an auto play store, no longer are you having to stand in line, tell the guy what you need, what you're looking for, everything's right at your fingertips. It makes it easy, especially during this pandemic, do you have a mask? Do you want to wear a mask? You can do it right from home. You don't have to worry about it. So head on over to rockauto.com, and uh, when you make your purchase in the drop-down box, tell them Locked On sent you. Hey, and we are now going to take over the Locked On Crossover podcast. This is OU Texas Week, and I am your host, John Williams, and we've got Patrick Kahn with us at Pat Sports Guy, and we're going to talk Texas football now, and it's been a little bit better of a season for Texas to start. You know, they had the, the win opening week against the Sunbelt team, then they came back and had a strong kind of finish against Texas Tech, even though it was a closer game than probably most people anticipated. They were able to come back, tie the game, go to overtime, win the game, and then comes TCU. And I think many people anticipated that Texas would be able to handle that opponent with relative ease based on what we'd seen out of TCU early on in the season. But Gary Patterson seems to have Tom Herman's number and at least Texas's number in the Big 12. Pat, what happened in that game that didn't allow Texas to come out victorious? There was a couple of things. Uh, one, your quarterback play. Uh, Sam Ellinger played well enough to win that game. Uh, but he threw for under 50% in that game. And from the start, we knew that it probably wasn't going to be a good game for us. We knew it was going to be a tough fight. TCU, like you said, they own Texas. They own Tom Herman. They've beaten Herman three out of four times, uh, six out of eight times since they joined the Big 12. Uh, you know, so they've, they've had their numbers. So 75% of the time these two teams play, Gary Patterson's team comes out on top. The other thing is he owns Mike Yersich. Uh They played each other – Mike Yersich's offenses six times back when he was at Oklahoma State. They won four out of six of those games. So it's it's a recipe where Gary Patterson knows this football team. He knows these coaches. He knows their tendencies. So the thing that we thought was bringing Mike Yersich in was going to change the offense, therefore changing kind of how they play against a TCU team, a Gary, a Gary Patterson coach team, and, and – and ultimately, it was more of the same. Uh, but like I said, they were they were able to do enough to score some points in this game. Had an opportunity uh, late in the first half. They throw an interception on, on a hot route that uh, there was miscommunication between Sam Ellinger and Joshua Moore. Turns into an interception. Turns into three points for them. Um, and then they had the fumble at the very end when uh, Keontae Ingram was uh, – as Tom Herman was say, trying to do too much. And, you know, so those two plays cost you 
between 10 and 14 points because maybe they could have scored a touchdown, you know, there at the end of the first half and scored that touchdown there at the end. And then maybe we're talking about a completely different football game. Uh, but, you know, it, it's it's the little things that they've got to clean up. And it seems like we're talking about that week in and week out. Yeah, and it's – you hate to see kind of how that game transpired, if, especially if you're a Longhorns fan, because you get down to the, you know, inside the five-yard line, you got it first and goal, and then just on that first play, the running back's trying to make a little bit too much happen there, and the ball just kind of pops out, and TCU's able to recover, and, and then that's kind of all she wrote. You know, they're able to get pick up a first down, do some runs, uh, and Texas drops to TCU. So what's going on with the Texas defense that's not allowing for a whole lot of consistency? Yeah, so the big thing that uh, last year, Todd Orlando's defense had the same problem, uh, not tackle. Uh, that that has been something that we've harped on year in and year out. So they bring in Chris Ash, uh, a guy that Urban Meyer, uh, his former head coach, uh, he had Chris Ash and Tom Herman together on that Ohio State staff. So Herman knows all about Chris Ash. He knows what he can do. Uh, so they bring him in to help fix his defense, help fix their tackling. One of the big things is Chris Ash implements this rugby-style tackling uh, that's more effective and it's actually safer. Uh, but it's not – transpiring on the field against Texas Tech they missed 19 tackles against TCU they missed 15 tackles you know so over a span of two weeks they've missed 34 tackles that if they make those plays maybe against Texas Tech the score is not that close maybe they don't give up so many I mean the the defense the big issue that they're having on defense right now is obviously the tackling uh second is coverage uh they're not getting to the quarterback uh and our, our linebackers Without Jawan Mitchell, who got tossed in the first half for a very questionable uh, targeting call, uh, but you know I don't really want to get into the whole targeting, non-targeting. But you know they lose him. They ha- they don't have the depth uh, behind them uh, to lose him in this game, and so that that really hurt him as well. And 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 you saw it on the Max Dugan touchdown run. Uh, he had the middle wide open because the linebacker that was playing. You know, I mean. This, when you have that experience there, they look for certain things, they can see certain things, and they know how to play it. And, uh, he, you know, he kind of got out of the out of the way, turned his back to the quarterback, and the quarterback took off running up front uh, down the middle, and you know that was the uh, game-winning touchdown. Yeah, and it seems like these two teams are coming in with similar defensive problems. Uh, you, you talked about coverage, you talked about tackling, Oklahoma. Those are the two big themes right now with their defense as well. And so offensively, they're definitely putting up enough points to win football games. What was TCU doing in that game that was making it difficult for Sam Ellinger to complete passes? Uh, you know, some of it was pressure. Um, you know, I mean, they were blitzing him. Uh, they were getting, you know, pressure. And, and that's something that goes back even the Texas Tech game. Uh, they were getting home on three-man rushes. Uh, you know, they were sending their three guys to beat our five. And, and so when you have a – when you have trouble protecting your quarterback and giving him a pocket, uh, you know, not every quarterback is going to be able to deal with it in the same way. Uh, Sam has done a pretty good job in the past of dealing with pressure, and he even threw three touchdowns when TCU blitzed him uh, last week. Uh, but, you know, it's just that constant pressure. Uh, you know, at, at some point it starts messing with the quarterback with his timing. Joshua Moore, who was their top receiver, had 11 catches for 200 yards so far this year, four touchdowns. 
he didn't catch a single target. He had, you know, he's dealing with the injury issue, but even before that, he wasn't uh, catching. They're, they're having issues with drops. Uh, Jake Smith had a drop on a, on a third down and long, and, and if he catches that ball, he's probably still running because there was nobody in front of him. And, and so those are some of the issues that they're dealing with offensively. Uh, the other thing is, is Texas likes to run the football, and they're not having success running the football. They need to figure out what works for them and stick to it. Uh, you know, they have a multitude of running back between Keontae Ingram, uh, Roshan Johnson, uh, the standout freshman, and B. John Robinson, who they got back after an awkward fall against Texas Tech. He, he didn't play at all. Uh, he, he took a kickoff return back, at, uh, and it was called for a penalty, called back for a penalty. Mm-hmm. And then we didn't see him again on the field. So, uh, but one thing that they've got to do is they got to get more consistent with running the football because it just makes this, this offense that much more dynamic. And it's going to be interesting to see what happens on Saturday because both of these teams are, are pretty good offensive football teams. They struggle defensively. And so it's really going to come down to who can make the most stops. It's going to be like an arena, an arena league football game. Uh, and we'll talk a little bit more about who really needs this game the most. You know, obviously Texas is coming in. They've still got a shot to win the Big 12. Oklahoma, two losses for the first time in Big 12 play since, or sorry, they opened 0-2 for the first time in Big 12 play since Bob Stoops' first season as the Oklahoma head coach. And uh, so there's a lot there's a lot still to play for. Oklahoma's got a lot of pride to play for. Texas has actually got some things to actually play for. And we'll talk about that coming up next. But first, Pat, let's tell the people about Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. Now, I'm a peanut butter chocolate guy. I got candy that that's my favorite now when i had the peanut butter brownie built bar i was like okay this is a game changer right here because it's the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar they've got 18 great flavors including flavors like caramel brownie cookies and cream cherry garcia lemon almond cheesecake carrot cake and apple almond crisp and i'm not typically a fruit and chocolate kind of guy but i had the orange uh flavored built bar this morning for breakfast and it was excellent i was i was pleasantly surprised by that They've got nut and non-nut flavors as well. And best of all, they're good for you. They've got 18 grams of protein. Some of them have only four or five grams of sugar. There's several bars you'd like to try. Well, make sure you get a variety pack. If you need it for meal replacement or to try and add fuel to your workout, Built Bar is the protein bar for you. Use promo code LOCKEDON and save $10 off your first order by going to BuiltBar.com. All right, we've done the questions. We talked Oklahoma. We talked Texas. Now we're going to get into it. Let's talk some mentality. Uh, one of the big things that I'm kind of talking about here, uh, Tom Herman has made some comments about winning is difficult. Or he's come out and said, oh, we tried to do tempo there, but we're going to try and run the clock out. It's like I, I feel like there's a, a mentality issue, a confidence issue, and, and – you know, listening to Locked On Sooners on Monday, I mean, y'all talked about it with, with, your, with your defensive back, talking about covering tight ends that are much bigger than them, about, you know, what do you want us to do? It's like I feel like there's a mentality issue, and maybe it's a confidence issue because they're not playing at the level that they thought they would be playing coming into 2020. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's a lot of expectations that this defense would make improvements uh, in Alex Grinch's second year. In his first year, they made substantial improvements defensively, uh, just in yards allowed, points per game, things like that. And 
we expected with a, especially a lot of, of veteran leadership and a veteran play in the secondary, uh, we thought, okay, this is going to be a group that's going to be able to take a, a step forward in uh, 2020, but it just hasn't been the case. And it's, it's some of the same old problems that they've had. And, uh, you know, we come, some of it comes back to um, talent, some of it's size, uh, some of it is just, it seems like kind of that mentality, that, that defensive mentality that's like, we're not going to let you score. We're not going to let you complete a pass. We're not going to let you uh, break, a, break a tackle. We're not going to, you know, they're, they're trying to establish the speed defense or speed D. But what I see on the field and what I'm seeing, especially on, on review, is that when they're getting two guys and when they're getting opportunities to tackle guys, it's just one guy that's at the ball carrier it's not multiple guys rallying to the football and trying to take a guy down. And so when you've got a guy like Brees Hall, who they played on Saturday for Iowa state, you can't tackle that guy with just one guy. And so even though they're getting opportunities to make plays in the backfield, they're not getting multiple guys into the backfield to make those plays. And so this speed defense, it's, it's not really showing up on Saturdays yet because they're just not getting to the football. They're not rallying to the football as a unit yet. Do you think offensively, uh, just talking about Oklahoma here, because I've heard, you know, I've heard Lincoln Riley say a few things uh, regarding finishing. Uh, do you think it's, it's a uh, issue with they don't have the confidence just to go out there and enforce their will, especially late in games, or is it a, a matter of because of how fast these offenses like to go, uh, maybe they haven't built up the stamina to, to be that up-tempo, up um, we're just going to go right down the field on you? Well, you know, and I hate to say it, man, but it's some of it is just Big 12 offenses are really, really good offenses. And uh, some of it is scheme. Some of it is knowing your, you know, knowing your assignments. Some of it is doing some of the fundamental things like tackling. I mean, a lot of what happened on Saturday against Iowa State was that they just couldn't tackle anybody. Uh, a couple of their big gains were because uh, the defensive back just went in there full bore, didn't break down and attempt to make a tackle. He just dove at the guy and the guy easily spun away and was off to the races. Another one was on a slant where there was no over the top safety help because everybody bid on play action. It was, you know, a, a cornerback left alone on the outside against a pretty big X receiver. And it just didn't really create a situation where Oklahoma was going to have success there. Uh, so much of it just comes down to, they just simply just haven't been good enough defensively uh, from the, from the front four, the front three, the linebacker group, the defensive backs, uh, they just haven't done enough to affect the game as a unit yet. Yeah. I think when you, when you talk about that, about the defense, you know, that's some of the similar thing, you know, it's interesting that the two teams that hate each other in Oklahoma and Texas are, are very similar right now. And yeah. uh, they can put up a ton of points. Uh, but when it comes down to needing a stop, uh, it's almost like they get, they're in give-up mode. And I'm not saying that the defensive effort's not there. It's just for whatever reason, it's not working. You know, they're not getting home to the quarterback. They're, their linebackers are out of position or they're not making the tackle. And, you know, they'll turn a two-, three-yard route uh, and the guy runs for 15, 20 yards. I mean, you get mm -hmm. enough of those, and then you're in the red zone, and then, you know, then you're in trouble. You know, there, right. there's not a whole lot of that. Um, but, yeah, I think it's a mentality issue, and maybe maybe a win like this over your rival, uh, Texas or Oklahoma, that does well to, to kind of give you that confidence going into the next set of games. 
Um, you know, because after this, uh, I believe Oklahoma, much like Texas, has a bye week. Um, and then after that, you have the next set of games, and hopefully that kind of helps build towards it. You know, we, we talked about it, you know, earlier on about how Oklahoma's in a position that they're not used to being in. They're not used to losing two games in a row, much less two conference games in a row. Mm-hmm. Um, Texas right now, I mean, after the UTEP game, they went and played Texas Tech, and, and Tech game a fight, probably not what they were expecting. They needed a miracle comeback. And then they needed another comeback against TCU. So, my question to you here, and I wanted to get into this, who needs this game more? Does Oklahoma need this more than Texas or, or, or vice versa? Um, I know Oklahoma's had the success over the last five years or so as far as conference play is concerned. Um, but does Oklahoma need this game more than Texas? Man, it's, it's really tough to say because, you know, for a coach like Lincoln Riley – he's pretty much earned enough uh, credibility and enough uh, leeway to have a, a down season. But if he comes out and Oklahoma comes out and they lose the Red River shootout to Texas, and it'd be their third conference loss, third in a row, that's going to send a lot of people through the roof, especially a lot of Oklahoma fans. They're not going to really take that lightly. And so I think uh, Oklahoma needs this game bad. Now, obviously, Texas has a lot more to play for. Uh, they're still in the Big 12 title hunt. They're still, you know, in the thick of the college football playoff. A win over Oklahoma kind of reestablishes themselves uh, as a favorite in the Big 12. Uh, but for the mentality and for somebody like maybe a Spencer Rattler and some of the, the younger guys on the team, if they can come into Dallas and pick up a big win in the Cotton Bowl after dropping their first two conference games, that's going to set them up for a huge uh, – it's going to give them a huge boost – down the stretch in 2012 to where maybe they can, they can, that could propel them to run the table. And who knows? I mean, the big 12 has been crazy to start the season. I mean, if they can win this game, it's really going to help set them up to maybe repeat again as big 12 champions. A lot would have to happen for that to happen. But um, I don't know. I, I, obviously I think Texas probably needs this the most. Uh, there's a lot of questions about Tom Hern, Herman and his capabilities as a head coach at this point. And he may not have as much leeway as Lincoln Riley does to be able to drop a game like this uh, coming out of Dallas. What do you think about that, Pat? Uh, yeah, I think uh, right now, I mean, we're already getting the rumblings. Uh, people are upset with Tom Herman. He was booed at home at DKR. So obviously they're not happy with Tom Herman right now. And I, you know, you can talk about the fan base all you want, but, you know, I, I kind of think he's in danger of losing his fan base. And and maybe that doesn't mean a whole lot as far as his contract status is, but um, they make enough noise, maybe the boosters start to do something. But mm-hmm. um, I don't think it's going to happen this year. I mean, because his buyout's about $20 million. <clears throat> During the pandemic, that's kind of – that's a little bit. A little pricey. Much. Uh, but – yeah, I, I mean, I think I agree with you on your point where I think Oklahoma can stand to lose this game and not deal with the consequences that it might cause down the road because of what Lincoln Riley's done in his first three seasons as the head coach. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think this does mean more for Texas. And I say that because, you know, Texas for the last several years have tried to get, you know, back into the thick of the Big 12 title race. Um for a team that's viewed as a premier team in the conference. I mean, when, when people think Big 12, they think Texas, they think Oklahoma. Right. Uh, Texas hasn't been anywhere near Oklahoma. 
in the last three years. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so you're looking at it and you're in, you know, the way the season started and Oklahoma's down. Um, this was an ample opportunity for Texas to take a hold of the big 12 and say, look, we're taking back the conference. Uh, yeah. We're going to, we're going to run the table here. We are going to be the ones to represent the big 12 in a New York, in New Year's six ball in a college football semifinal. Um, and then they came out and laid an egg against TCU. They could, that's one of those games that they shouldn't have lost. And that's, it's the common thing with Tom Herman is there's always a game or two in the season they lose that they shouldn't. Um, so I think going into this game against Oklahoma, Tom Herman has beaten Oklahoma once in I think four chances over three years. Uh, they played twice in 2018 uh, in the big 12 title game. So I think honestly, I think this game means more to Texas. I honestly do. Um, I think that they need it for, obviously, for reasons they just lost the conference game. They're looking up at Iowa State. They're looking up at Kansas State. Uh, they're looking up at Oklahoma State. And, and so those are three teams that are ahead of them right now. While, while they haven't played any of them, um, that's who they're chasing. They've got to beat two of those teams out to get into the Big 12, 12 championship game. So when I look at that, I think that this is more important to Texas. Uh for a lot of reasons. One, because Tom Herman's already catching fire. And second, if they want to change the mentality, if they want to change recruiting, if they want to start getting some of those guys that they're losing out to other schools outside of the state of Texas, to Oklahoma, they've got to win this football game. Yeah. And, and it's a nationally televised game. All eyes are going to be on Dallas, Texas, Saturday morning, October 10th, 11 a.m., They've got to win this football game. No excuses. Yeah, and it's gonna be it's gonna be fun to watch. Uh, always love OU Texas Saturday. Uh, it creates a lot of stress as well. Definitely gonna be a lot of stress eating with uh, the sausage dip and the jalapeno poppers going, and uh, might have to eat a, a built bar to to get started. So I'm not uh, uh, shoving all that fatty food in my face early on. But uh, you got to get a Fletcher's corny dog though. <laughs> That, that would be a good one. I'd, I'd love that or, or the state fair corn dog, but yeah, man, it, it's going to be fun to watch. I have no idea how this game is going to go. You know, there's, you know, I've had terrible predictions the first few weeks because this Oklahoma defense has just not shown up and played to the level that we had anticipated. Uh, so much of it's going to ride on can Spencer Rattler rise to the occasion in his first red river shootout. Uh, and I think it's going to, it's going to be tough. It's going to be a tough matchup for Oklahoma. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. Uh, but that's going to do it for this crossover edition of the Lockdown Longhorns Lockdown Sooners podcast. Uh, make sure you're following John, John9Williams on Twitter, Lockdown Sooners. You can follow me, Pat Sports Guy, also Lockdown Horns on Twitter. Make sure you go to Lockdown Podcast, your team every day, Monday through Friday. Uh, but for John and Patrick, and uh, we'll see you next time.